Good morning, everybody, and we welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Dependent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And thank you all so much for joining us. We'll start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 258 from the article Spirit and Law by Mary Baker Eddy and a small excerpt from page 77 of Divinity Course at General Collectania, also by Mary Baker Eddy. In the spiritual genesis of creation, all law was vested in the lawgiver who was a law to himself. In divine science, God is one and all, and governing himself, he governs the universe. This is the law of creation. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. And that infinite mind governs all things. On this infinite principle of freedom, God named himself, I am. For God is all in all, the only creator of the only universe and man. We are his children, and we do realize the all fullness of the omnipotence of God. Mary Baker Eddy. It's beautiful. Thank you. Watching point. Watching point number 307. Watch lest when Christian science demands gratitude from its adherents, you believe that it should be for effect. Gratitude for effect is the first step the infant in Christian science is capable of taking. But progress should soon bring him to gratitude for cause. When a child is given a gift, it becomes so engrossed in it that it forgets to thank or even remember the donor. It has to be reminded to do so. God's gifts are given to man in order that they may be perpetual reminders of him and not an occasion to forget him and one's absorption in and gratitude for the gifts. It may be said that God never sends man gifts. He brings them. Man should never become so absorbed in the gift that he loses sight of the presence of the giver. Gratitude is the means whereby we remain perpetually conscious of God's presence, seen by seeing him as the source of every good gift. When we are grateful for effect, if that gratitude is metaphysical, our thought will naturally turn to cause. Then we will be in no danger of becoming so enamored of effect that we lose sight of cause. Unquote. Thank you. All right, comments on that? Never forget the source. <laughs> yes. I, I like this because when I was a child, we went to Christian churches in California, and they had me really mixed up about, like, <laughs> pride, and I don't know, I used to draw, and I got to the point where I didn't even know if I could be proud of it. But now... Being here, it's like we get we are we get this divine inspiration. We express it. We just continue that cycle, and it's just it's nice to always be looking to God and knowing knowing that you're a part of that. I love that. Thank you. Also, it says that um, if our gratitude is metaphysical, our thought will always naturally turn to cause, and that's what I'm finding since I've been. Um, found Plainfield is that I've learned that it's just naturally much more than ever before. Every little thing that every good gift, every from infinitesimal seemingly to bigger, it's never infinite in in little because it's always pointing to the bigger picture, which is the cause, which is God. And that reminds us constantly of his presence, which is then therefore nothing is in, insignificant from a parking place to anything. It just, 
now I see it as a much bigger message. God is right here. And uh, I don't take anything or trying not to take anything for granted, but just showing me that God is present in everything that happens, every gift. That's beautiful. That is exactly right. That's what that's what I got out of this myself. It shows you're in a right state of mind when you're grateful. It's natural to be grateful. Most little children are grateful. They get taught not to be, but usually they're naturally just exuberant and grateful. Um, and the natural state, ingratitude, shows you're in the wrong mind. <clears throat> and what Karen just described, there is no greater joy than to, to be in that state, to see God present everywhere, because everything you see, you see is God. If it doesn't seem to be good, then you you know the reversal of that is true. And right there in, in that very place, it seems not good, is, is the presence of God, because that's all there is. And if you're really knowing that, that will obliter obliterate that false presence. <clears throat> so this really gets to how we obey the first commandment, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Well, can you really love the Lord thy God with all thy heart without being grateful to him as the cause of everything good in your life? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> and, and in doing so, too, it helps you to not personalize good. You know, we, we see it as a person, therefore we can't live without that person. Well, that no, <laughs> you see it as, as God in your life, you know that God's presence will always be with you. That person isn't always with you, or that pet, or that goldfish, or that house, or whatever you think you can't live without. If you see it only as, as God's presence with you, God's presence is always with you. Even if you go through a time when you feel like you're without things, the cause is there. And that's why it's so imp important to see the cause behind the thing. And that way, you will never lack anything. You will never lack <laughs> anything. You'll never be crying yourself to sleep thinking you have. And also it helps us to see that I was talking to my sister yesterday and she's very distressed over um, we are so blessed. And yet she said, but there's a world out there that's just so impoverished, so suffering. So there's so many suffering. How can you just overlook? And, and I, and I, my thought when I hung up, we talked a little bit, but, but I, if I, if I am acknowledging that God is, good here providing all my needs and that's from god then i have to see it as going on everywhere i can't see it just going on here and then the rest of the world is suffering then that's not that's not that's not thing that causes universal god is a universal good that's right because there are not two worlds are there no there's not a divided for world and an impoverished world Seeing God is the cause and the source of all is the solution to the problem that your friend is seeing, the impoverishment, because that's not of God. That's seeing things correctly. And this is great because this is exactly what we're going to talk about during this hour. Lawrence, were you going to say something? No, I was saying the same for health. I mean, if, if God is all, then all health is present all the time, too. We should know that. We should embrace that. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, because it's a state of thought, isn't it? It's not a physical condition. Carpenter calls it seasickness, S-E-E. -E. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's easy to get into that. But you see, too, the part of this coin we're speaking about are people, and maybe particularly Christian scientists, who I'm fine, everything's great in my life, so I don't really care that there's all this suffering humanity. 
Mrs. Eddy said as long as there's one suffering person, she wasn't done with her work. To, to rid that in her thought, to have that perfect view. And this is why we take this so seriously. This is why we watch and we don't miss our watches. This is what we do to change this picture. Otherwise, it is it is heartless and callous. I'm fine. And all the other, the rest of the world is, they just don't know it yet. Well, that, thanks a lot. Yeah. Everyone wants to be apathetic. It does. It does. But it's truly what we're going to get into later. But I wanted to say, recently there was just a wonderful article. I forget the name of something, the, the profound importance and effect of gratitude. And it, it says, and, and I know we've all read them. I've read these articles before, too, about the importance of writing your gratitude, your gratitude journal, keeping being grateful. Um, but they say now, the scientists say, it, it changes your inner chemistry when you're grateful. Yeah. Everything changes inside you. Isn't that interesting? Well, of course it would. And it also brought out the fact that it's not just being grateful for the effect. You have to, eventually you have to admit there's a greater power. You know, you look at a beautiful sunset. People who are atheists, how, do, how does an atheist view a beautiful sunset? Chemicals and light refracting. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, that's banned, but who made the chemicals just, and the light? Just all accidents and blunders that led to now i guess right 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 <laughs> and i am the result of random molecules just kind of coming together somehow right that's who i am well anyway this article goes on to say that the people who were even in advanced stage stages of cancer and all this if they could turn their thinking around and start to be grateful their whole body and their whole system would change many of them being healed. So it's powerful. It's powerful. It's something we must all cultivate. And and I, I love the way Karen expressed it because it brings you great joy when you see God everywhere. That's what Mrs. Eddie did. She loved even the blade of grass under her foot. Everything spoke to her about God. You cannot help but be super happy. You have brought heaven to earth which is what we we should do there should be no separation between earth and heaven as in heaven so on earth what god, god is omnipotent supreme. supreme yay <laughs> <laughs> we can know that just as well now as try to wait for some far off thing that's going to happen we have heaven on earth it's up to you You'll also have hell if you want to go there. So don't go there. We won't go there, <laughs> no. So we have this wonderful topic today, God, the only cause and creator. Um, Lil, you want to read us the golden text? The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. And isn't that wonderful? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing by accident. And then the definition of creator in science and health. Number, number five. Creator, spirit, mind, intelligence, the animating divine principle of all that is real and good, self-existent life, truth and love, that which is perfect and eternal, the opposite of matter and evil, which have no principle, God, who made all that was made and could not create an atom or an element, the opposite of himself. So what does that tell us in regard to today and what's going on? He made nothing that should hurt us, impact, impact his own creation in the wrong way. Absolutely. What the hell is a variant? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Hello, excuse me. 
I mean, this this should be our strong stance, okay? And in knowing this, we we can know it for everyone everywhere, and we can wipe this thing out. We're still working on it. God never made it, not a teeny tiny thing, from the infinitesimal to the infinity. infinity. Yeah. In whom is no variableness. Yes. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. That goes back to our gratitude to see it. In whom there is no variableness. Neither shadow of turning. Neither shadow of turning. Yeah. <laughs> Not even that. Yeah. Not even that. Again, the hell you say. <laughs> okay, pick that all you want, but we know it's a bunch of baloney. We stand by it and we shut the door to all those suggestions. And we're going in now to what Mrs. Evans liked to talk and say was the bloody holidays. And why did she call it that? Relatives. The <laughs> <laughs> relatives who see you as you were 50 years ago or whatever and, <laughs> and don't see the progress and the growth and the uh, godliness that's come through. Because the belief that you have material parents, material siblings, material anything, is the worst animal magnetism. And it uses it to get you to do the, th the worst things, things you would never imagine yourself doing normally. I remember my teacher telling me once that her, the most extreme cases would come up at Christmas time. <laughs> and I thought to myself, with everybody so happy and Christmas and everything, why would that be? And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't seem to figure that out. But I understand more now why, why that seemed to be. She would be working so hard over Christmas. And, um, but I can see that's why it's, Lawrence, don't look as to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just smile to that. <laughs> and what is, let's get down into it. What, what is the explanation as to why that phenomenon appears that way? Opposition to the appearance of the Christ. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This, the true meaning of Christmas is the recognition of the Christ coming on earth. It's the recognition of Christian science, the science of Christianity, which is the truth. Mortal belief hates it because it means the destruction of all mortal beliefs. That's why mortal beliefs rev up at this time. Don't matter, no spirit. Yeah. The, it's called the Antichrist, mm -hmm. and it rises up, and and the the more the higher you go in science, the more you're going to feel it and you're sensitive to it because it, the materialism of the day becomes so obnoxious. This is why our liberator always makes sure it's totally devoted to to handling this. So we have Christ at Christmas this time, part two. I would also suggest you all get out, find part one. Because they go together. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, we read, I think I read it last week, that, um, yeah, Mrs. Eddy said that she did this because she saw the materialism rising up in her day. That's why she did this. Um, yeah. And now it's it's so rampant. I mean, some people, Christmas is just all about Santa Claus and parades and trees. Yeah, Christmas trees, spending, spending mm -hmm. yep, making somebody happy by giving them a gift. Six gigawatt lights on your house. Yes, <laughs> see who, who has the most beautiful house in the neighborhood. And it feeds off all this. It's all materialism. Now, the opposite, There's, I call it, I like to think of it as the holy days. The beautiful music, when, when the the earth gets dark so early 
I love the beautiful lights. I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, my God, that's horrible. I think it's beautiful. And I, I like to be reminded even more so of the coming of the Christ, that the nativity. All of that can be very holy and beautiful. Blessing your neighbors in whatever way you feel appropriate. That can just sometimes be a smile and a kind word, as my dad would say. <laughs> when he would ask him, what did he want for Christmas? Just a smile and a kind word. <laughs> so we can all give a smile and a kind word. So, um, and you know, Florence, I love Florence's article about that. Maybe we'll have to put that up on the carousel again about gifts. Oh, yeah. 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 So you keep yourself in the love of God. You don't come out. You don't take part um, in the lesson. Because we talked, Carol started this off with relations. The relations of God and man, divine principle and idea are indestructible in science. And science knows no lapse from or return to harmony. but holds the divine order or spiritual law in which God and all that he creates are perfect and eternal to have remained unchanged in its eternal history. Our relation is to whom? Our relationship. God. 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 He is our relation. So, you know, many of you might have families that fight and are horrible and you get together and it's three hours of utter agony. Others of you might think you've got wonderful family. They're all so loving and kind. To that, I say you're probably half asleep. <laughs> you're not noticing a few things that are going on. But, hey, you know, well, whatever it is, you have to spiritualize it and keep your thought. Because what will happen, even in the best of families, you come home and say, oh, my gosh, Aunt Jenny, she had the most beautiful house. Her kids are so perfect and mine aren't. I mean, this is a kind of garbage that goes through people's heads. And, and it, you know, you come home feeling depressed. Mrs. Evans used to say that. And, and as that Karen's practitioner at one time can be the worst time of the year for stuff like this. People go places and come home depressed as can be. Or you argue about politics or some family thing comes up. So you make sure your relationship is with God, indestructible. And any relationship you have with any other person should be you, what? God in the middle. God and the other person. God in the middle. And whatever interaction you have with people, you should be re radiating God's love Give them truth whenever you can. Bring God into the conversation, not in a preachy way, but just because you love him. Express gratitude. Say, oh, wow, your house is beautiful. <laughs> be happy. Be joyous. Give. Radiate. Don't absorb. And then, as last week we know, mortal mind cannot, what three things can it not do? Uh, cannot cure, oh. cannot kill, it cannot harm. Harm. Thank you. No power to do any of those things. Mortal mind, mortal man, vaccinations, the nameless nothing. No power. Kill, cure, harm. Defang it. Strip it of any power and stand behind that. And you radiate the truth. We don't want to hide out in our homes, necessarily. <laughs> Maybe you need to, but if, you, if we have to be of the world, but not, what is it, in it, but not, but of, not it. of it. In it, but not of it. We don't accept the illusion of material existence, period. It is an illusion. And what a freedom that is to know that. And take it with you wherever God sends you. You take that with you, and you are free from the illusion of all these mortal beliefs. That's standing on the rock of Christ. That's right. Exactly. That's standing exactly. on the rock. And I just want to say, I've thought of this for a while because, you know, you talked about God being the only attraction. And I think if God isn't attracting me to another person, then I don't need to feel bad about not having them in my life. Absolutely. There's sometimes there are people in your life you have nothing in common with, whether they're your 
a family relative or a friend or whatever, if you don't have anything in common with, it can be very tiring and exhausting to be in their company. And that leads us to the three daily duties. Now, I could spend weeks on the three daily duties, but all of you need to memorize them and work with them. They are daily duties for a reason. You think about them. You don't just say them by rote. And that second one, a rule for motives and acts, which starts out how? Neither animosity nor mere mere personal attachment. All the motives or acts of the members of the Mother Church. Are you doing that? (laughs) You do. I hope so. (laughs) Well, and we all we all have to examine our thought. Do we say things out of animosity that we're just mad? Or personal attachment, well, it's my Aunt Tilly, so therefore I am going to this thing even though I don't want to go, just as Jeremy just said. Who says you have to? You don't. You make that decision. It's personal attachment if you do it and God is telling you not to do it. And you'll have to face the consequences of your disobedience. Believe me, I've learned this. Bitter lessons. And it doesn't mean just close our mouths, but to pray until we get the right direction. What yes. should be done? What well, should be done? Whatever I, you do, you do it with love. Yeah. And principle. And principle. Because one without the other is useless. And wisdom. Huh? And wisdom. But people who get so piled high, I mean, I know people, they just can't wait till this time is over because they're exhausted and all the stuff they've done that they don't really want to do. Well, Filter that out. And maybe, yeah, maybe people are a little mad at you for a while, but hey, your obedience is to God, not to person. That's what this watching point. And it goes on. It's very thorough. I won't go through the whole thing, but you know what it is. Rebuking era is one of the list. Are you ready to go into an atmosphere that's immoral? If you're if you going to go in there, you're going to have to speak up to some things. You're going to at least have to change the conversation. You can't go into it and just be listening to about the nameless nothing for two hours. That's no fun. <laughs> Shouldn't go into that atmosphere unless you're ready to rebuke it and raise hell. Are you ready to do that? This is taking up the cross. This is being a Christian scientist. Anything else is being N-I-C-E, which we know is a four-letter word (laughs) (laughs) and if you don't want to do this then don't say you're a christian scientist and just live your life and go to doctors and do something else but if you really want to be a christian scientist you have to be ready and willing to do this kind of work and you can do it with great love and you'd better do it with great love. Yes, and you better do it. You must not do it out of animosity. Or mere personal attachment. Yes. And then but, this But God has God has important good stuff for every one of us to do. For you to do. So if you're if you're fooling around doing stuff that God did not send you to do, you're wasting time. And to waste God's time is a sin. I mean, you know, once you once you realize that you have a mission in life, a God-given mission, it's going to be really hard for you to waste time fooling around with people that aren't receptive to what you have to offer. Clarence. No, he's talking all the time, so you better be listening and doing as he directs. He's talking all the time. Yes. And then and then the last the last alertness to duty has saved me so many times. It shall be the duty. The duty, not an option. Okay? No option here. A duty. The and all of these daily duties. The duty is something you have to do. Got that? Okay. <laughs> Duty of every member of this church to what? Defend himself daily against the course of mental suggestion and not be made to forget his duty. <laughs> forget or neglect his duty to God, his leader, and to mankind. Aggressive mental suggestion. It's aggressive. It's going to pound you. It's not nice. And if you do, if you listen to it, you will. Believe me, you will be made 
to forget or neglect your duty to God, your leader in mankind. You will. You will become depressed, angry, sick, because you're listening to these aggressive mental suggestions. You have to guard your consciousness and not allow it. This has helped me because I'll say, Mary, you're listening to this garbage. You're going to be a useless wonder. And I shut it out and I shut it up and I get to doing the work I need to do for God. It happens so fast, so quickly, you will for, and then you'll be in a big muddle. You'll just be a mess. You got to drag yourself up out of it. This is daily. It's going to keep coming until, until you stand up to it. It is. And exactly. Let it have it. Yes. Yeah. Cannot be nice. But the fact that it repeats and repeats and repeats doesn't mean at any time it has any power or it's something. And so if we remember that, remember God's presence all the time, it helps. It's always suggestion, comes a suggestion. Depends on how much you listen to it. And that word, defend, to drive from, to thrust back, to forbid, to prohibit, to oppose, to resist, to secure against attacks, to deny accusations, to drive back a foe. That's what you're doing. And you're not sitting there nicely saying, go away, Eric, don't want to listen. That's not work. And isn't that how Jesus healed and taught us to heal? People were coming to him with all kinds of aggressive mental suggestions, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. Sickness, death. Arguing disciples. Arguing. Yeah. Yeah. So he he had he had this to deal with every day, didn't he? And he defended himself against it. He knew the truth. What does Mrs. Eddy say about Jesus' prayers? Conscientious protest. They were of truth. Thank you, Florence. Thank you. And that's how we should be. When an, when animal magnetism comes to us, aggressive mental suggestions comes to us, we should we should have a conscientious protest of truth, ready for it. That's why we study. Because you see, this is where the disconnect is. People just want to study all day, but then they go out and all this stuff's going on and they, okay, everything, and they just absorb it. They're not radiating, they absorb it, and there's this disconnect. You study so you will be ready, have your armor on and ready for your conscientious protest of truth. And that leads into, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And Carrie sent me this beautiful article by Julia Johnson. I love her. And this should be in the magazine someday. It's called Heaven and Earth. And she, Julia Johnson writes, in the first verse of the Bible, we, we read that God created the heaven and the earth. The succeeding verses of this marvelous chapter unfold the various identities of this creation. Finally, there is introduced the compound idea man whose dominion was over all the earth and over every living thing on the earth. Throughout this whole account of creation, no mention is made of heaven as being more spiritual or more eternal than earth. Moreover, there is no mention of evil in connection with the earth or with that which was to come forth from it. The dominion which was given to man was, therefore, not dominion over evil in the earth any more than in heaven. For evil is no part of God's creation. Man's dominion was that of the greatest idea of God over all his lesser ideas, ensuring the reign of harmony for heaven and for earth throughout eternity. In this first account, God, heaven, earth, and man coexist in unified perfection. And then it goes on. Evil, we learn, is a liar when it claims to have made the earth, to own it, to fill it, to have seed in it, or to bring forth the fruit of sin, disease, and death upon it. 
evil has no history, either in earth or in heaven. Christ Jesus, whose birth was heralded by angels singing on earth peace, preached and proved that the kingdom of heaven is here. Wherever he went throughout Palestine, he demonstrated the presence of God and the absence of evil on earth. It's just what Gary was saying. Jesus preached, thy kingdom come, not that thy kingdom is to be journeyed to. We learn that king, the kingdom of heaven, which is on earth, comes to us in proportion as we grow in spiritual understanding. Is not this what John experienced when he saw a new heaven and a new earth? This concept is so important that we have heaven on earth. We bring it and When we bring it to one, we bring it to all. We bring it to all. And, you know, I've told people to be thinking about and, and praying with in the early mornings and, and at night, the Lord's Prayer. It's so powerful. It's, it's just. And Mrs. Eddy says, only as we rise above all material sensuousness and sin can we reach the heaven-born aspiration and spiritual consciousness, which is indicated in the Lord's Prayer and which instantaneously heals the sick. Why shouldn't we spend time praying and thinking about what it means? And what does, I love her interpretation, thy kingdom come. And so what does she say about that? Thy kingdom is come. Thy kingdom is come. Thou art ever present. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> it is come. Yeah. Ever present. It's here. We don't, as as Julia Johnston said, we don't have to journey to it. And we and, don't have to die to get there. And we don't have to <laughs> die to get there. And we don't have to accept the illusions that say it's not true. As she said, you know, it doesn't say in First Genesis that evil is associated with earth. Good old man. You know, mortals are egotists. That's in the lesson this week. We think we're independent. We can do all this stuff. Well, we made a big muddle of everything. God didn't make that. And then, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So what's, what does Mrs. Eddy say? Enable us to know as in heaven, so on earth, God is omnipotent, supreme. <laughs> Enable us to know it. To see it yeah. clearly, that should be our that should be our number one objective in life. To know God and and who and what He is and what He does for us. And this is such a beautiful prayer to God. Enable me, help me, God, help me to know that You are supreme, just as much here as what my concept of heaven. And then You do bring this heaven on earth. People don't have to suffer and die and have all this horrible stuff. When it's your time, you, you just walk out. You're already in heaven anyway, so what's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> and not just you, but everyone everywhere. The other is an illusion. It's the Adam dream that we buy into. But it is aggressive. It wants to pull you into it. And that's why you must not be made to forget or neglect your duty. And that's why you daily work on this. You can't do it on Monday and forget to do it the rest of the week. The mortal mind will even go so far as to call these illusions law. Thank you. <laughs> and then, so let's see, what did you say about it? You talked about every God seeing everything that he made and behold, it was very good. And, oh, I love the part about the record uh, of, of truth, the records of truth. And record means to imprint deeply in the mind or memory as to record the sayings of another in the heart, to cause to be remembered, to call to mind. I just thought that was so beautiful. These records of truth, they're going to be imprinted deeply in our heart and cause us to remember them. I've been, Thank you. It is. Lesson is, it's just full of records of truth. Yes. It is beautiful, and that's what we need to keep not not all these other not all these false images that we have to get rid of, but the records of truth. Um, 
God saw everything, and behold, it was very, very good. Now, Carrie also sent me a really good article about seeing um, and how it's up to us to see what is really there. Um, this one's written by Annie Knott. She says, no one questions that Jesus was the highest representative of God to humanity, and we found that he declared entirely for that which was unseen to the physical senses in making his marvelous demonstrations. She is not dead, was his positive declaration respecting Jarius's daughter, a declaration that was made in the face of the scorn and incredulity of those who could not see what he saw, the deathless reality of being. He saw heaven on earth, didn't he? Seeing always the spiritual evidence, Jesus might well ask his disciples, why are ye so fearful? And should not Christian scientists ask this question of themselves and others when the false evidence of material sense seeks to overwhelm them? Should they not at times, such times, remember the eyes before and behind and within, all revealing the unbroken eternal harmony. With such seeing, the Christ healing comes naturally and inevitably. So, again, seeing what really is, seeing heaven on earth. One thing have I desired of the Lord, this will I seek after, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, stay in his house, daughter and sons of the king, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to see what really is happening, to inquire in his temple, spend your time learning more about this wonderful supreme being that Mrs. Eddy wrote a whole textbook about. This keeps you in the right place. And this seeing, again, I saw this other article, and I've seen it before, this is about a dog who had no retinas, or the retinas were totally destroyed. The dog could see to all, I, I mean, the owner did not know he, this dog was totally blind. According to material belief, when she took him to the doctors just for a regular checkup, he said, oh my gosh, this guy, this dog didn't have any retinas. According to material belief, this dog couldn't see. But nobody knew it because he acted like he could jump over fences. He had all these friends. He knew he, he jumped on people's laps. And, and this isn't the first time I've heard of this. There was another dog I read about a long time ago that he, same thing, only this time they knew he couldn't see, but he acted like he could see. So you see all these material concepts and conditions and limitations we put on ourselves you can see, if you can behold the beauty of the Lord, you can see. And that's what the eyes are about. And they're not related to material conditions. It's been proven, as this dear little dog did. His eyes were perfect, too. It wasn't like they were looked like he was blind. They were big, beautiful brown eyes. Doctors couldn't believe that according to their belief, he was blind. So think about your own faculties. Do you know they're spiritual? Are you beholding the beauty of the Lord? You, are you inquiring in his temple? Use your eyes, your ears, your taste, all of that to glorify God. In unity of good, the question, is there matter? This is Eddie goes into that. Unity of good is incredible to study and work with. Now, I have so much more. We're going to talk about Zacharias, but Jeremy's running out the door. So I, I will. It's okay. It's okay. You better go. Um, the other thing is, is Imogen. She wrote a beautiful page long thing on article, which should be in our magazine. On thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. It's so beautiful. Unfortunately, I won't have time. We won't have to read the whole thing. But it's right there on the forum for all of you to read. When she realized 
that everything belongs to God and we own nothing. We don't own ourselves. It's all God. Again, seeing God everywhere and everything. What beauty and liberation that brought to her. It's a beautiful article of her own experience and how these truths are made practical. And so we must as well use it in these ways. Um, so let's see. Goodness me. I have so many pages here. <laughs> i got to figure out what I'm going to end on. Um, well, and dear Zacharias, what happened to him? Because what happened to him? He became dumb. <clears throat> and why was that? He doubted. <laughs> he did not see. I mean, here the angel Gabriel appeared to him. I know. <laughs> he didn't see, did he? He didn't no. see right there in front of him. And he seemed to suffer for it. Um, but again, do we really, do we really feel God's allness all the time in everything that we do, everything we think or say or do? Well, poor Zacharias here. I mean, he was, you know, he, he was a priest. You know, he taught others about God. And he was a good man. His yeah. wife was a good woman. They were the best of the best. And when, and when Gabriel came to him, he was still a little shocked and doubted and wasn't sure. Was, after all, how could they have, how could they have a child? They, they were, you know, they were, they yeah. were and, <laughs> yeah. And, was the third commandment, that shall not take the Lord's name in vain? Thank you. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> that they, it's so easy to just stop paying as much attention to God's commandments and, <laughs> and uh, you need a wake-up call. Yes, yep. And Jeremy wrote, when reading about Zacharias this morning, it occurred to me that fear is a sign of doubting God's power and our oneness with him. It seems every case of doubt could be answered with Christ's words, ye do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Isn't that how we err? Yes. It's such an important point, really. Yes. He certainly knew of Abraham and Sarah having Isaac when they did, yet the story must not, it must have been mere words to him, holding no proof of God's power in his life at that moment, says Jeremy saying. In line with this week's Daily Watch, Zacharias's question, whereby shall I know this, is focused on effect. Yet every moment divine inspiration revelation is showing us what we must obediently do is the expression of the one cause God. That's what Florence was saying. God's talking to us all the time. For us to allow the human mind to introduce questions of whereby shall I know this, or whether we are worthy to hear his voice or be his expression, or to have us doubt God's power to unfold only good in our lives, is to make what we know of Christian science to be words only. So we shouldn't ask that question, should we? How do I know? How do you know? Hello? <laughs> All day, we get this. Lawrence and I get this lifelong scientist class taught. All this, all these degrees and pedicures, pedicures, yeah. pedicures, <laughs> pedigree, yeah, pedigree, pedigree. Stand corrected. Pedigrees. Anyway, he has all these things, and yet they have no idea. So it's not a matter of all the book learning, is it? It's a matter of what we practice, and then. And we can't fit Christian science into our preconceived notions about things, can we? No, we cannot. You've got to you've got to empty your your vessel, your wine. It's got to be empty so God can fill it with the truth. And especially those who think they've been taught in Christian science. Mrs. Evans used to say that. They're the worst of all. <laughs> They're the worst of all. And I'm I'm included. I'm not being unkind. I'm I'm included in that. I had all this wrong training. I had to be dumped out, and I had I had to have my 
vessel refilled. And it was not a pleasant experience. No, <laughs> no, not at times it was not. Well, like Nicodemus, that makes sense. Because he went to Jesus in the night and he had all that false training. And yeah. He said, you know, don't he, you know any of this? Exactly. Mm-hmm. We should. But it's all mere words. And then before Gary ends, just Parthens. Um, this Christmas season, let me be filled with expectancy of allness of good, as exemplified by the Virgin Mary, who held tightly to the angel thought given to her and said, in essence, so be it. Let the weak say I am strong. So may the Christ be manifest in me that it may be manifest upon the earth as never before by a new and living way. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Gary. This and is this something is from Carrie. From, yeah, Carrie sent. And this is from an article entitled Absent from the Body and Present with the Lord by E.A. Everett from the February 1894 journal, Christian Science Journal. Quote, Here in the body pants, strangers from thee we roam, but nightly pitch our moving tent a day's march nearer home. The hymn says, and the writer went deeper and nearer the heart of truth than he knew. Verily, if we shut ourselves up in our bodies, we are strangers from God. How they bind and fetter us. We are not the Lord's free men when we consent to be so enslaved. And yet it is our own fault. Our bodies are like unruly children whose parents have always obeyed them. Until they expect and attempt to govern everybody. We have consulted them on every point. If we wished to do certain things, we have turned around to our bodies and asked, will it make you sick? Shall you pay me for this with a headache? If the wind happened to blow on us, we have inquired, are you cold? Or declared, this will give me neuralgia in my head. Bert? Virtually, we have said to our material structure, come thou and rule over us, and decided for ourselves that it had been done. And all this time we have been in bondage to a phantom. For these poor earthly bodies have no life in themselves and cannot declare themselves rulers over anything. How changed is our condition when we awake to this fact? When we learn that we can control our bodies instead of having them control us, we begin to try our wings, as it were. And instead of being dragged down to earth, we fly aloft into a purer atmosphere. We begin to leave our bodies behind and reach out into the realm of spirit and then at last catch a faint gleam of what it means to be present with the Lord. Willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Ah, yes, more than willing, eager, glad of this most happy exchange. (laughs) End quote. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank 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 you.